of our young people are going to be dismissed. They can make their way over to their class, 11 and under, and uh, they're going to be enjoying their Sunday school or their, their Sunday morning uh, class, Children's Church. And so they'll make their way that direction. Praise the Lord for all the young people that we have in our church. It is a blessing. I'm never, uh, I am never, I am never uh, ceased to be amazed at the number of people, young people that God's brought to our church, and we're thankful for that. Uh, there's life. God's growing uh, our church. We're seeing the Lord do great things, and uh, so so thankful for that, and excited for what the Lord uh, has in store in the days ahead. We're going to be focusing some of our attention as we go into the fall here, into our some of our children's ministries. Looking forward to doing that as uh, we jump into uh, the week weeks and the months ahead. Well, hey, we're going to be in James chapter number one, James chapter number one. So find your way over there in your Bibles to James chapter number one. We've been working our way through the book of James uh, for about four weeks now, and uh, we've made all the way to verse number 12 is where we're going to be today, verse number 12. And so we've slowly made our way here. And you say, Kyle, man, if it's taken us four weeks, uh, now five weeks, the fifth week in the book of James, and we're only through verse number 12, we're going to be in James for a long time. Hey, listen, uh, just just hold your horses. We're going to work our way through, and uh, we'll start picking up some speed a little bit as we make our way through. But we're going to take God's Word, and we're going to take it in context. We're going to study the Scriptures as it was written, and uh, we're going to see what the Word of God has for us verse by verse, line by line, precept upon precept, and see what God's Word has to say, and allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak through His Word to our hearts and to change our lives. And so we're going to be in verse number 12, just a moment before we do let's pray we'll ask for the lord's help and then we are going to dive into the scriptures this morning let's pray together and ask for his help lord i thank you so much for allowing us to to meet here today thank you for the freedom that you've given us to be able to gather in this this place and to be able to worship you to praise you to lift up your name and god i pray now that our hearts would be prepared and ready for what your word has to say Lord, um, as I studied this week and as I was, have been reading this passage for, for some time now, God, I've been looking forward to this verse uh, in particular. I mean, God, even this week, as, as I studied it even more in depth, Lord, you, you showed me some truths, Lord, that, that so spoke to my heart. And I pray that this morning that you'd allow me to clearly communicate those things to, to those that are in this room. I pray, God, that your word would have uh, the power, Lord, to be able to move in our midst. And we know that it does. And so, God, I pray that our hearts would be tender and ready to receive your word. I pray for each person that's here, Lord, that if there's something between our soul and, and you, God, that today we'd get those things right. And God, I pray that if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that today they would be stirred and they would accept you uh, as their Savior today. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. Use your word now. Help me, God, to say only those things that you want me to say. Fill me with your spirit as I preach, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we've started our way down through the book of James, we, we spent the first 11 verses in chapter 1 discussing the reality and necessary response to trials in our life. In, in verses 2 through 4, James made very clear that, that for every person, trials would be both a necessity and and in and, 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 and some uncomprehensible way would also be a beneficial part of our life. In verse number two, we, we drew our uh, attention and drew everybody into the net as he talked about various trials, diverse temptations that would be in, in, in people's lives. It's just a reality of life that, that trials are, are going to come. It goes on in, in verses 9 through 11 that we saw last week as, as he gave a small sample size, a small sample pool of, of, of some trials that could be an example. He talked about, listen, uh, that, that uh, the problem with the poor is they don't have enough and the person that, that is rich has too much. And, and, and really there's two sides to, to every coin, isn't there? 
Uh, I've learned this since pastoring that, that you can never get things just right. You know, uh, we can turn the, the air down so that it's a little bit cooler. And, and if you do that, there'll be some that'll be cold. Uh, you can turn the, the heat up a little bit and there'll be some that'll be hot, right? I mean, there's always going to be a, one, one person's uh, relief is another person's problem. It's the way it is of life, right? Uh, you think about, about children. There's some that, that wish that they could have kids. Well, there are others who are overwhelmed with the problems that are in their kids' lives, right? There, there are uh, some that wish they could get a job. There are others that wish that they could give their job away, right? Uh, some wish they could get a better car, and others are troubled by the car payment that came with the new car that they needed so much, right? That no matter where you are in life, there's always going to be trials that are going to meet you. And I think that's the point of James' vagueness as he simply says, there's going to be various trials. Because if he went through and he said, okay, let me give you a list of some trials, boom, 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 we could go through and say, well, I'm not in any of those, so I must be doing okay. But in James' vagueness, we, we get the concept that everybody's going to have trials. Everybody's going to face difficulties. And so we find our way to verse number 12, and James picks back up a thought that he began really in verses 2 through 4. In fact, you could read verses 2 through 4 and jump directly into to verse number 12 and not miss a beat. He says this in verse number 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. This morning, we see, first of all, this thought that there's a promise for perseverance. Promise for perseverance. Verse number 12 again, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. James points to a man that we find scattered throughout the scriptures in various places. And in Psalm chapter number 1, we, we, we learn about him. In Psalm chapter 1, verse number 1, it says, Blessed is the man. There he is. The walketh not in the counsel of ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in the season, and his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. When we hear about him again in, in Jeremiah chapter number 17, verse number 7. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose, whose hope the Lord is. For he, again, shall be planted... By the waters that spreadeth out her root by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. And in Matthew chapter number, 20, number 5, as Jesus was on the, the, the mount preaching, he, he went through and he talked about these blessed men, these blessed people. What, what, what did he say? He said, well, there's a different one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. They which are persecuted for righteousness say, he goes on and says, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute, persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And now James here in verse number 12 echoes the voice of Jesus as once again he brings this man into the arena. And this time, he points to this man and he says, Blessed is this man because he's enduring temptation. Trials. For, for the man or the woman who goes through these various difficulties and endures or, or perseveres, they have the promise of God's blessing. 
Many have said that the word blessing in the scriptures, whenever you find it in the book of Matthew and you see the Beatitudes and it works its way down. And, and as you study it and you dive into it, uh, they, they've said that the, the definition of that word is simply the word happy. Happy is the man. And, and, and there is obvious truth to that. Happy is that person that, 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 is, that is, is blessed, obviously. But I, I love the, the, the depth and the spin that Webster's 1828 Dictionary gives on this Bible word, he, he says this, that blessed or blessed means to be in the favor of God. Amen. Listen, it doesn't get much more blessing than that, right? It doesn't get much more happy than that to be in the favor of God. And, and friend, understand this, I, I don't know what may come our way or, or your way, but, but I know that if I'm in the favor of God, I can find the joy that verse number two spoke about. The joy that, that comes when you fall into diverse temptations or diverse trials. But it is only promised to those who endure or persevere through the trial and remain faithful to God. Those who walk through trials with, with faith not wavering in Christ as we saw. If you're here today and you're going through one of these various trials, can I encourage you to keep, keep pressing on. Keep, keep pressing on, don't quit. Keep, keep, keep Jesus and God on the throne of your life. I, I don't know what the answer might be. It might not be what we're hoping for or what we expect as we've seen in the past weeks. But if you persevere, the Bible tells us that you will enjoy the favor of God. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, he says. Promise of perseverance. But then we go on and we see the anticipation of of the approved. He goes on and he says this, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. He says this, For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. So we read that. It's easy to, to read through it real quick and, and kind of miss uh, something that, that James says here. He says this, When he is, he is tried. When he's tried. That, that word tried there is, is translated a couple different ways in the scriptures here in James. It's translated as tried. But, but we find that same word, uh, that same Greek word in, in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Verse number 15, a familiar verse. It says this, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, here, is, as we think about, about the studying of the scripture and diving into God's word, he says, listen, if you want to be approved to, to God, or, or we could take the word from, from you want to be tried, okay, then you have to study the scriptures. You, you, you need to study and rightly divide the word of truth. Here in James, James is saying when you stay faithful and you persevere through the trial, the day will come. When you will reach the end of your trial and receive approval for your faithfulness. That's a wonderful promise. That's a wonderful thing to, to anticipate. But listen, don't miss when that approval comes. It comes on the day when crowns are distributed. See, what James is getting across here is something that the very first book of the Bible that was recorded... Had written for us. No, not in Genesis, okay? Genesis, yes, is the first book of the Bible, but the oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job. And in Job 14, verse number one, it says, Man that is born of woman is few days and full of trouble. 
See, James wasn't talking about a specific trial as he was going through this. No, what James was saying is as long as you are breathing breath, as long as your heart is still pumping blood, as long as you are alive on this earth, trials are a sure part of life. Aren't you encouraged this morning? What a blessing. You know, I mean, like you're sitting here like, I'm so glad I came to church this morning, right? Oh, man. So what is the anticipation of the improved? What are they anticipating? Are they anticipating the the end of the trial? For many of us, that's what we anticipate. Oh, I just can't wait to get through this. I can't wait to get to the other side of of this trial, this difficulty that I'm facing. It seems like every week, I mean, if you don't know what I'm talking about, well, just, I mean, for most people, you wake up on Monday and you say, man, I can't wait until Friday, right? You know, I mean, I can't wait for the trial of the week to get over so we can get to the weekend. That's how a lot of people live their life. And and, and that's, that's, in our life, there's there's trials that we face, there's difficulties, there's resistance, there's things that we go through. But that's not what he says this, this person that's approved is anticipating. Not the end of that specific trial. No, no, no. See, for those, those first century Christians James was writing to, they understood that many of them would be on the run for their lives until they breathed their final breath. Deliverance from their trial was not that things were just going to work out and suddenly the, 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 the leader that was in power, Nero, was going to be removed or those that were in power were going to be removed. It wasn't that, that, that the Roman government was going to be upheavaled and, and things were going to change. That's, that's not what they were pointing to. It's not what James was talking about. It was that they would wake up one day in the presence of the one they were staying faithful to. They were living... According to Hebrews 12, verses 2 and 3, before it was even written, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross and despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says this, for consider Him who hath endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. No, it wasn't that it was going to be the end of a single triumph. But one day you would wake up in the presence of God at the end of those trials. See, when we traveled in evangelism, I I regularly heard the the burdens of of pastors. As a pastor, and I've learned this since pastoring the last three years, one of the blessings and one of the the weights that that a, a pastor carries is the burden of those within the congregation. People that will come and say, I'm going through this in life and I'm, I'm struggling through this. Would you pray with me for this? And, and listen, it's, it's a wonderful part of the job description of being a pastor. And, and it's a wonderful privilege to be able to help join in and, and, and as fellow laborers carry that burden together. But understand, it's, it's a burden sometimes to enter the throne room on behalf of someone else knowing the great weight that's carried. Beg God for grace and for mercy. When we traveled in evangelism, I regularly had the opportunity to help carry the burden, not, not necessarily of a congregation, but the burden that the pastor carried of carrying those burdens. I remember sitting across the tables as pastors would, would break down and, and as they would bear their heart about things that were going on in their, their lives and the lives of the people in their church. I mean, one of the hardest parts of, of ministry is to look at someone that is going through difficulty, to look at a pastor that's going through something, or people in a congregation, and, and to look at them and not know exactly what to say. Because every trial's 
specific. Every difficulty is different. And to be able to, to look at someone and not know, well, not be able to look at them and say, well, listen, it's all just going to work out. Understanding and knowing that that's not always how things happen. To feel so inadequate. Not having the answer to alleviate the burden. As we come to verse number 12, I believe the answer is clear. The answer is not, well, hey, listen, just keep on going because, because listen, uh, you can see the, the end of that trial. It's right over there. Here's how everything's going to work out. No, no, that's not the answer. And, and as I counsel the Lord's word to my heart, that that's not the way that you counsel because we have no promise of tomorrow. We don't know what, what another day is going to bring forth. No, the answer to the trial is, listen, just keep pressing on. Why? Because it'll be worth it one day. See, that's what we saw last week as we dove into the Scriptures. And this week he nails it down just that much deeper. As he said, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. One day those crowns are going to be passed out. One day the crown is going to be distributed. And listen, one day that's going to come. One day the approval is going to be seen. But listen, that day doesn't come at the end of your trial. That day comes when you're in the presence of Jesus. The only other time that the crown of life is found in the scriptures is in Revelation chapter number 2. Listen to what it says. The church at Smyrna was, was in a time of great trial as they were being deceived by some who claimed to be followers but, but were actually deceivers. Their lives were on the line because of this deception. And Jesus writes to them. There was his man John. In Revelation 2.10, he says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. Ye shall have tribulation ten days. What's he say? Be thou faithful unto deliverance? No, no, no. Be thou faithful unto death. And I will give thee the crown of life. See, the idea in these verses is not that there would necessarily be a physical crown maybe that would be presented. That, that could be the case, that, that a crown may be given to those that stay faithful through trials. It's definitely possible, but I believe in the context of this verse, it would appear more likely that he's saying, though you may die because of their trial, this trial, there, there's life waiting on the other side. Though you may go through trial through your entire life and, and that you go through trial after trial after trial. In fact, life is oftentimes one big trial of trials and, and one big testing one after another. He says, listen, just stay faithful because at the end you'll be in the presence of God. And listen, the trials will come to an end and life eternal will begin. That's what you're looking forward to. That's what you're, you're focusing on. That's the anticipation for your life. It's like the story of the preacher who was being held at gunpoint as he looked that robber in the eye and said to him listen you can't threaten me with heaven <laughs> I mean come on I mean listen uh, they, the, all the trials of this life and if you know Christ as your savior one day you'll wake up in the presence of Jesus you understand oh it's worth it staying faithful continuing to persevere and if you will through the trials of life the anticipation of what is to come will become more and more real. You see, the promise is there for perseverance. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. We find the anticipation for the approved. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. But listen, we see the drive behind that decision. 
which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. The promise behind that decision. What is it that keeps this person focused on a Savior through the trials? What is it that's going to keep somebody on track, not just for, for, through a single trial, but for decades of life? Remaining faithful, staying, staying faithful to the Lord. What is it that's going to keep them? The thing that will be the passion that keeps them pushing through a lifetime of mountains and valleys. What's that little four-letter word at the end of verse number 12? That word, love. Love. There's, there's three primary words. There's, there's actually four that are used in the New Testament. Three primary words that we find in the Greek language that, that are translated in the New Testament as, as, as love. The first word is eros. It's where we get our English word erotic as the idea of a marital love. We, we get the, 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 the word phileo. It means brotherly love. Phileo, the city of Philadelphia, right? It's a city of brotherly love. Phileo. And then the third one is the word agape. You've probably heard this before. But it's an unconditional, intimate love. And it's this love that James was pointing to in verse number 12. An agape Unconditional, limitless, intimate love for God. A love not based on circumstances. A love not based on results. A love not based on, well, how's it all going to work out? No, no, no. A love that was based in unconditional. I love God. This last week, many of you heard, knew, saw, was, was somewhat of a tr- troubling week. In fact, it started last Sunday evening after, uh, in the evening, we were at home and the kids were playing and, and uh, Tress was inside doing a couple things and, and I was right outside, I was doing some stuff with our dog, we got this little puppy that I'm trying to teach to stop biting things and, uh, and so I'm out there with that and <clears throat> the kids were out there on the porch and on the trampoline kind of playing around and things and I was just around the corner and all of a sudden, my son Jace comes running around the corner. Daddy, daddy, it's an emergency. Now listen, about five times a day I get this message from Jace, okay? Everything's an emergency, okay? He comes around the corner. He says, daddy, daddy, it's an emergency. Kanoa fell off the trampoline and, and she's hurt real bad. Well, you know, in my mind, I mean, the trampoline's only about this high off the ground. I'm thinking, you know what, how much damage can really be done that high off the ground? And, and as I kind of turn the corner to the... To, to the house, I heard wailing and screaming, and as I got a little bit closer, I could see something was not right. Uh, and I got over to Kanoa, and I could see that her arm, it was very clearly broken. And in that moment, I, I picked her up, and, and many of you know I broke my elbow a couple of years ago, and, and so in that moment, as I see my little girl with her broken arm very close to where mine was, the panic set in. Now listen, some of you, I know as a pastor, you know, you're trained to be calm in situations, right? You know, it's just cool. You know, nothing ever surprises you. Somebody comes in and they're like, yeah, I just want you to know I murdered someone this week. And you're like, oh, that's good. Okay, let's talk about that. You know, I mean, like that's, you're supposed to be calm through every situation. Let's say in that moment, all of that went out the window. Okay, I mean, like it was like utter and total 
panic. And I'm, I'm out there, Tressa, Tressa, get out of here. I mean, you can ask her right away. I mean, I am panicking. And, uh, and so she, you know, Tressa, the calm one, walks out the house, what's wrong? You know, and I'm just, I'm just in absolute panic. Just, I mean, just, we, get, get in the van. We got to call, we got to go, we got to go to the hospital. We got to go to the hospital. Our arm's breaking. We got to go to the hospital. She's like, just calm down. You know, I mean, stop freaking out. And I'm like, no, we got to go. And, uh, you know, and I, I'm, I've got her arm in my, my, my arm, in my hands, and I'm holding my little girl in my hands, and I'm holding her arm, trying to stabilize it, because I, I knew it was broken, I knew it was severe, and, and I'm holding it there, trying to keep it immobile, I want to move, and we got over, and we climbed into the car, and, and uh, she looked at me, she said, are we going to Butte or Bozeman, and, and listen, every time I make this decision, it's always the wrong one, because in my mind, Butte is closer, and so we'll go there, it'll be faster, and it's, it's always wrong, okay? And so that was, that was what was in my mind. And so we, we got, uh, if, you, if you know, if you work for Butte, it's nothing against you. It's just the people in the emergency room, okay? Anyway, but, uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, I said, okay, we're, we're going to go there. And so, and, and so we get in the van, and we're driving, and, and every bump, every curve, my, my little girl's like, oh, it hurts. And I'm holding her, like, as tight, you know, in my arm, holding her elbow, and, uh, you know, I'm just trying to keep her stable as I can. I'm looking at, I mean, this is my little girl. I mean, like, not my little boys, okay? Like, little boys, you're like, just rub some dirt on it. You know, little girls, though, I mean, it's different, right? And I'm holding her there, and, I mean, we're, we're going down the road. And I don't understand. Tressa speeds all the time, but she drove the speed limit the whole way. And, uh, <laughs> no, we're, we're driving over there. And, and, in fact, I mean, on the way over, you know how that is. Your adrenaline starts to crash. Well, me, I pass out for everything, okay? I mean, I just, I just do, right? I pass out for, for, I mean, I hit my funny bone one time and passed out. I mean, I pass out for everything. And, uh, you know, we're driving there, and I could feel it coming on me as we're driving. Like, the empathy is so real as I'm feeling the pain. And I'm like, if I pass out, I'm going to let go of her arm, and she's going to be in severe pain. I'm just like, I, I'm laying there, literally. And you're like, did you really? You are such a girl. I'm like, I'm laying there, and I'm like, God, please don't let me, cry. Don't let me pass out, please. And uh, I'm, I'm holding it as stable as I can. And as we're going there, my arm starts to cramp. Uh, you know, forearm, you know, bicep. I, clearly, I need to get in the gym, you know, and I'm like, I'm, just, I'm holding her there as tight as I can, trying to keep her arm, and we finally got to the hospital, and I run inside of there, and Tress had called on the way over, it's an emergency, you know, we're going to be getting there, and I get in there, and I run inside, I'm like, hey, we're here, and they said, well, who is this, what's your name, well, can you give me your num- name, and uh, how do you spell that, Kanoa, you know, and I'm, I'm spelling it to her, what's her date of birth, what did she eat for supper, and I'm like, I have no idea, what, what, stop asking me questions, you know, and, uh, and then, they, uh, well, if you could take a seat, we'll get to you momentarily, I'm like, ah, you know, I was ready to, uh, to end someone's life, and so that was, uh, that was that moment, you know, and, and uh, finally we got in there, and, and, and when I finally was able to, to lay her there on the bed, and, and, and we were finally able to stabilize her arm, and finally be able to relax for a second, I know you're feeling sympathy for me, and I mean, my arm was, and, and literally for the next three days, my arm was just like cramped, and, 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 and you're all sitting there thinking, well, why didn't you just let go? No, nobody thought that. I mean, like, everybody's like, well, of course you did. Of course you did everything. I mean, you fought through everything. Why? Why would I do that? Because I love her. It's not just like this brotherly love of like, oh, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. You know, it'll be fine, you know. No, 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 I, I love, this is my daughter, this is my child, I love her unconditionally, I would do anything for her, I would give my life for her, and everybody in this room, you would do the same for your child, give everything, 
everything to try to stop that pain, to start, try to stop that hurt. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the believers in 1 Peter, who, who how they remained faithful to God, even though their lives were being taken by the fires of Nero. Don't miss what the Bible says their motivation in 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 7. says that through the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, there it is, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, listen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye may rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, listen, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. What was the motive for those that were giving their life for the cause of Christ? Those that were going to very real, in a very real way, see the salvation of their souls. Maybe within hours, maybe within days, were going to give their very life. What was the motivation? The answer there was in verse number 8. And it's the same word that we find here in James chapter number 1, verse number 12. It's the word love, agape, unconditional, unstoppable. He says, even though you haven't seen him with your own eyes. Hey, they were in the same place that we were, that we are. You haven't seen him with your own eyes, but listen. The proof of your love, you love him. You lay your very life down for him. You agape, unconditionally, love God. It's the same love that we find in John 3.16. For God so Loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. God held back nothing. For you. For me. He, he, he gave his son unconditionally. To die on the cross. So that, that you could have the promise of eternal life. The very thing that we anticipate for this morning do you truly love God I know it sounds so cliche I mean to say that do you do you love God everybody yeah of course I I, I love God what does the Bible say about when first John chapter number four verse number 10 he says here in his love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be propitiation for our sins in verse number 19 it goes a little bit further and he says we love him why because he first loved God us. The only way that we can understand love at all, what unconditional love is, is by what God did for you and for me. That He gave everything unconditionally. His very Son's life, beaten, back torn, body broken, blood shed for you and for me. That's how we can understand what love is. You see, you cannot know how to love God. If you have not first accepted that love for yourself. 
Friend, if you are here this morning and we're talking about loving God and, 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 and unconditionally loving God, listen, you cannot fathom, you cannot understand, you cannot wrap your minds around it. You say, Kyle, that sounds kind of prideful. No, I'm telling you what the Bible says. You cannot know God, you cannot know loving God until you know God as your Savior. Why? Because we love Him. Why? Because He first loves us. And if you haven't accepted that love, you cannot love God the way that you should. Friend, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, what are you talking about, Kyle? I'm saying, listen, the Bible says that we have all sinned, that we've all come short of the perfection, the glory of God. Listen, every one of us, it's like we're standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon. This was a story that we read the, uh, last week over in, the, in our Sunday school. You're standing at the end of the gr- edge of the Grand Canyon, the widest part, mile over a mile down. You're standing there, and you and another person are there at the, the Grand Canyon, maybe you and me. Listen, i got a hurt knee. I can't jump very far right now. And so let's say you, we have a competition to see who can get to the other side. I jump first, and, you know, drop down, splat, done. All right, you, you get up there next. You, 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 you're smarter than I am, so you get a running start. You back up a little bit further. You take off running as fast as you can. You jump as far as you can, and you jump further than me. That's good. Splat, right? The goal's the other side. Listen, friend, it doesn't matter. If you have lived a beautiful life, if you've, if you've done a real good job, the Bible says that if you've sinned one sin, you're guilty of all. How many sins does it take to send somebody to an eternity in a lake of fire? Just one. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never said, Jesus, I know that I am a sinner... And the Bible says the punishment, the wage of our sin is eternity in a lake of fire. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ came, died on that cross for you. He gives you this gift and all you have to do is receive it. If you choose to say no thanks, no I'll figure out my own way. And as we learned this morning in Sunday school, God is a just God. And in His justification... And as a just judge, he has no other answer but to look at you and declare you guilty. And to have to serve that punishment, that wage that you deserve to pay. Well, listen, there are going to be people that sat in church their whole life that were good people, quote unquote. They're going to open their eyes, burning in a lake of fire. Because they said, no thanks, I'll figure it out on my own. Friend, you cannot understand the love of God until you've accepted that love that's been given to you through Jesus Christ's death on that cross. If you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior right where you're seated this morning, you can pray and say, Jesus Christ, I know that I am a sinner and I know that there's a payment for my sin. I'm asking you to forgive me for my sins. I am trusting completely in you. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. It's only through Jesus that you can get eternity with Him. And you cannot understand the love of God until you first have accepted that. Understand this, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, I wonder how you're doing with loving God. I wonder if you, if you have experienced that love, if you're still captivated 
by it. No matter the the bumps or the turns that may come, are you still holding on firmly to Christ? See, so often we will allow the smallest thing to distract us from our love for Jesus. We don't spend time with Him and His work. Don't spend time talking about Him. We, we allow every little thing to get in the way of being in, in His house. Listen, if this was an earthly relationship, can I tell you what it would be? It would be a bad one. If you never spent talk, time communicating with them, if you never spent time talking to them, if you never spent time with them, you know what it is? It's a bad earthly relationship. Why would we think it's any different when it comes to our relationship with the Heavenly Father? Do you love God? Yesterday, Tressa and I celebrated 11 years of marriage. Woohoo! I mean, that's exciting, right? Okay, many, some of you are here and you're like, 11 years? Oh, I remember that. That was back 43 years ago. And, you know, and, uh, you know, so, but listen, it's a big deal for us. Okay, 11 years. That's a big deal, all right? And uh, we get to celebrate 11 years of marriage. And I've learned a few things in 11 years. Um, you know, we've, we've, I've learned, there's a lot of things that I haven't learned, and I'm still working on it, but uh, Tressa could attest to that. But one thing that I have learned is she loves to ask me a question. She, she asks this to me, if not every day, pretty close to. And it's always out of the blue. Like, I mean, like, we, I'm doing the dishes, or I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm walking from one place to another. I'm doing something, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something to serve her, right, you know, and take care of her. And, and she looks at me, and she'll, she'll say this. She'll say, and I'll, I'll walk by, I say, I love you. She says, what do you love about me? Oh, here we go. Okay. And so, you know, when we first got married, it was like, well, you're really pretty. And, and, um, and uh, you know, and, and I love the clothes that you wear. And, and I love your hair that's, that's curly. And, uh, you know, and, and you come over. But listen, 11 years in, those things don't get by anymore. Okay. They got to they gotta have a little more depth to them, right? I mean, like, it's, it can't just be like, well, you're really pretty. And she's like, uh-uh, that don't, they don't, they don't cut it anymore, okay? I mean, like, you got to go, you got to go deeper. You got to talk about her emotions. And you got to talk about her feelings and, and about how I love her, uh, her, 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 her heart. And, and you know, you got to go, you got to go deeper about those things. So when she says, what do you love about me? It's like, I mean, it's a real test. I mean, the, the beads of sweat start beating up and start dripping. That's like, okay, I got to get this one right. You know, this is a big, big deal after 11 years of marriage. You know, if I asked you, what do you, you say you love God, what do you love about Him? For some, you've been saved for a lot of years. And if the depth of your answer hasn't grown, it may be time to examine that love. Do you truly love God? Because the depth of your love will determine the longevity of your faithfulness in a lifetime of trials. Do you truly love God? See, next week we're going to turn the picture, we're going to look at a different type of temptation that, that James turns to. But as he kind of encapsulates this, this thought, he finishes it by saying, listen, if you're truly going to be someone that's going to be faithful. If you're truly going to be someone that, that years down the line, in a lifetime of trials, you're going to get to the end and you're going to be anticipating that the crown of life. 
If that's truly going to be you, there's only one way it's going to happen. And it's if you truly love God. This morning, what do you love about Him? If we went around this room and started asking, what do you love about him? I have a feeling it'd go real quick. Well, I, I love that, that he sent his son. Well, I love that, that he died for me. Well, I love that, that uh, you know, the life that he gave me. I love the wife that he gave me. I love, I, love, I love that he did this for me and that he did this for me and that he did this for me. No, no, listen. What, not, not, what, not what do you love that he did for you? What do you love about God? Listen, if, I, if Tressa said, what do, you, what do you love about me? I'd say, well, Tressa, I love that you take care of the kids and I love that you make me food. And I love that you, you know, that you do all these acts of service for me. She's going to look at me and say, listen, you're missing the bar, okay? That's not, that's not what, those aren't the answers I'm looking for. What do you love about him? Because if you really love him, you got to know him. And the only way that you're going to know him is if you really spend time with him. You really dig deeper. And oftentimes the things that help you to dig deeper are the trials that come in. One after another, after another, after another. Because oftentimes it's in those times that you find out all the way back. Verse number four. I'm perfect and entire wanting nothing. God's all that I need. Do you truly Let's have heads bowed and, and eyes closed as we finish our service. We're going to have a, a time of invitation where you can have an opportunity to respond, respond to the Word of God. And I'd encourage you this morning to respond. Sometimes the most simple, simple truths, the most simple questions, sometimes are the most provoking. Are the ones that we need to go back and really think through. I have no doubt that everyone in this room has heard that question, do you love God? Maybe hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times. If you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard it thousands of times. But when's the last time that you really thought about it and you asked that question? Do I really love God? What is it that I love? Is it based completely on what he's done for me? Is it based on who he is? That's what James was getting across. A love not based on circumstances. A love that's based on who God is. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can trust Him today. I'd love to take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you can spend eternity with Him. Hope everybody walks out of this room knowing that they are saved and being rekindled in their love for God. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, stand together as the music plays. Father, I pray now that you bless this time as we respond to you and to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, the music playing. Would you respond to the Lord this morning? Maybe you need to go to an altar or maybe you need to make your seat an altar. But can I encourage you, don't, don't just let the message pass by without responding. Respond to him. God's word is a, is a double-edged sword. It, it, it pierces, it divides, it conquers. God's word promises that when it goes forth, it will not return void. It'll accomplish where it's sent. Maybe this morning, where God was preached, God's word went forth. But I wonder if it found good soil.
you're sitting here today thinking, man, I hope so-and-so is listening. I wish so-and-so was here. Could be that maybe the soil needs to be stirred up a little bit, softened. Oh, we serve a good God that loves us. He allows us to go through hard things, a lifetime of them our love, stay faithful to him so that one day we can be in his presence. Here, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Receive that crown of life. No matter what the suffering is on this earth, there's a life eternal with him. We have to look forward to. The only way you're going to do it is if you truly love. And I hope this morning I thank you that you are good regardless of situations or circumstances God the character of you is that you are good you are gracious you are just you're holy God as we think about the love that you've demonstrated to us I pray God that we would see that example and we respond accordingly God if somebody's here that doesn't know you as their savior I have no doubt in a crowd of this size Lord there's there's probably a few that that either have been playing a game or they've just never accepted you, I pray today they'd get that settled. Lord, you'd open their heart to your word and, and to your conviction. they stop playing a game and they'd accept you as their Savior. God, I thank you for what your word has taught me through this passage, God, what, what you've been challenging me with, Lord. And, and God, I know oftentimes it's, it's not that you just immediately give us an answer to our prayers, but oftentimes you allow us to go through tests that prove the answer to our prayer. And so, God, I pray that you'd help me to be found faithful as well. Don't let me preach these words without applying it to my life as well. And I pray, God, that would be the conviction of each person in this room. Lord, we look forward to you working in days ahead. Thank you for what you've already done. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory for what it is that you have done and are going to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you can be seated here for just a minute before we're dismissed. Just a couple of quick announcements.